Thanks, Jessica. It is good to be together. Thanks for singing this morning. I'm always so encouraged when I hear uh, all of you singing out and as Daniel talked about, you know, that connection we have through song uh, that just draws us closer to God. Many of you know uh, we moved into our house about six weeks ago and uh, we're getting settled. One of the first things you do when you move into a home is you get the boxes emptied out and then you start taking on projects around the house, you know, kind of making it your own, taking care of things that you wish were different. And so this last week I had on my to-do list uh, a little home project we have a few ceiling fans in our home, and the one in my, my daughter's room was kind of too big for the space, and the one in the living room was sort of too small for the space, so we just wanted to switch uh, the ceiling fans in those two rooms and, and get them in the right places. That's kind of how we saw it. So that was on my, my little project this week. Piece of cake, right? No problem. No problem. Why are you laughing? I don't understand. Sometimes you get into these projects, and before you know it, you've, you've had to run to two different home stores, make three phone calls, watch two YouTube tutorial videos, uh, just to try to figure out how you do what you want to do. And uh, so the project, it went pretty well with the ceiling fans. What, what, what got me tripped up, what slowed me down, was the electricity. Electricity. I, I get nervous and anxious around electricity. Uh, a few years ago, I got zapped when I was doing a light switch in our house. And, you know, when your hair stands up on end and you're not using product, you know, that's a little sign <laughs> that you had some volts flowing through your body. So that experience just made me anxious and worried. And so um, that was slowing me down. And I think it's about the mystery of electricity. Like, it always, it's kind of sneaky. You know, it seems like it makes its way to where you didn't think it was going to be. And so I had done, I thought I had done all the right things, but I still sat there wondering, you know, am I going to get zapped? Am I going to be okay? I just didn't have confidence that I had done everything correctly. I wasn't completely in the know about electricity, and I just felt, eh, there's a chance here. So Wednesday night, I, I was sitting on top of this 12-foot ladder uh, near this peaked area of our living room, uh, looking at two exposed wires just hanging in front of me, you know, waiting to, to reach up and twist them together and just the doubt filled my, my mind and my heart. And I looked down, and there was our, our little dog, Nutmeg, at the bottom of the ladder, looking back up at me, you know, eye to eye, just kind of daring me. Like, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, master, you know. Put those wires together. And, and I just had that doubt. I doubted that I was going to be able to do it correctly. I doubted that I had thought through everything. Um, I doubted that when I got zapped, that Nutmeg was going to catch me, you know, when I fell <laughs> 12 feet and so that doubt just sort of had me stalled out on the ladder there. That's, that's like what doubt does, right? Doubt just sort of comes out of nowhere and slows us down, causes us to step back, and, and it gives us this sort of weird check in our spirit. It sometimes feels like when we doubt that we're no longer believing, that somehow when we, we doubt, we've lost our faith in some way. And we, we just wake up, some days we wake up with confidence, we take on the day, and then out of nowhere, this thought comes or this thing happens and it, and it sidetracks us off over to the side little roadway of doubt. You know, I, I interact with someone and, and I forget to say something about their life, what's going on for them, and I start to doubt if I really care about other people or put them first. Or, or you're at work or you're at school and there's something that doesn't make sense to you or you make a mistake and you start to doubt your ability to get the work done that you're supposed to do at school or at, at work, wherever that might be. Or you're walking through life and you get news or something happens and you start to doubt, you know, is God, does God really have all this together? Can I really trust it? Is God really bringing things together for good in my life? And these doubts sometimes catch us off guard. Have you ever thought about asking a question about, about faith, about the church, about God, but you've, you've hesitated because you've thought, if I ask that question, 
somebody's going to think I'm a doubter. You know, they're going to think my faith is weak, that somehow I don't actually believe what I say I believe, and it causes you to pause and not ask that question. And then we think about James in the New Testament, the, the, the little brother of Jesus who wrote a letter, the book of James, and in there he says, you must not doubt. Our mind goes to that verse. We think, well, we're not supposed to doubt, so I, I think I better not let my, that question come out. I think about James, brother of Jesus. He had to have had doubts, right? I mean, his big brother is the Messiah. His big brother rose from the dead. I, there's got to be times when James was thinking, you mean the guy that used to steal the covers from my side of the bed, he's the Messiah, you know? Like, he had to have those doubts. We're going to get back to that passage in James in just a minute. But first, I just want to say, as we're getting going here, that the opposite of faith is not doubt. I just want to put that out there. The opposite of faith is not doubt. You might think it is, but I just want to make the point this morning that it is not. The opposite of faith, really, is certainty. The opposite of faith is knowing for sure about something in such a way that, that you don't need to see the evidence any longer. You've experienced something. You've seen it. You've tasted it. You've gone through it. You've weighed the evidence. You, you've been in that place, and you no longer need faith because you have confidence in what is in front of you. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's, it's certainty. That's why Paul would write these words in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, Now we see only a dim likeness of things. It's as if we're seeing them in a mirror. He says, The reality of our lives we don't always see it very clearly. And that's where we need faith because we don't have certainty in it. It's just, it's murky to us in some ways. And so we need faith. He goes on, but someday we will see clearly. We will see face to face. What I know now is not complete, but someday I will know completely just as God knows me completely. To know completely means we no longer need faith. One day we'll be with God face to face. We won't need to have faith in God. He'll be there with us. We'll see him in a way that we can't experience him now. And that's why the opposite of faith is certainty. It's not doubt, it's certainty. I like how Paul writes about mirrors here. He says, when we look in a mirror, it's a dimness. It's a, we don't really see clearly in a mirror. Well, I think about, well, my mirrors in my house are pretty clear. You know, When I Windex them, I can see pretty clearly what's going on. It gives us a little insight into first century mirrors. You know, They didn't use glass. They didn't have, most people didn't have glass mirrors. They used polished metal, like bronze or brass or something like that. So you can imagine your car after it gets a fresh wax and you see your reflection in the car side. And that's what Paul's talking about. You can make it out. You can see yourself. But it's not a great reflection. It's not perfect. It's not complete. And Paul says when we experience life that way, we need to have faith because we're not certain of things. When you can't see clearly, when the reflection of your life is dim and difficult to make out, you need to hold on to something bigger and greater beyond what you can see. And that's why faith is important to us. And since doubt is not the opposite of faith, it means that the two can coexist. Faith and doubt can, are not opposites to each other. And some, in fact, some would say that doubt can draw you deeper into faith. Doubt can push you further along with the Lord, that you can experience depth of understanding because of some of the doubts you might have. George MacDonald was a pastor and poet and writer. He lived over 100 years ago. And I just have to show you a picture of him. Here's George. I just think he's really cool looking. I don't know. I mean, that guy does not look like he has a doubt, right? I mean, he is tough. It could be the black and white, I don't know, but I just think he's a really cool-looking guy. So George wrote a, a lot as a pastor, and here's something he wrote. A man may be haunted with doubts and only grow thereby in faith. So right away, you might have doubts in your life, and he says, but they can help you grow 
in faith. Doubts are the messengers of the living one to rouse the honest. They are the first knock at our door of things that are not yet, but have to be understood. Doubt must precede every deeper assurance. That that sentence, doubts are the messengers of the living one to rouse the honest. I could sit with that sentence all day long. What a, a powerful way of thinking about doubt, maybe in a new way for us, that God sends them to wake us up. And if we're honest in pursuing him, he can use them in our lives. We don't need to run from doubt. We can allow it to draw us deeper into faith. I just want to encourage you, any of you doubters out there like me, it's okay to seek and search things out. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to be curious about how God operates in the world today, how his created order has come together. It's okay to ask those questions. They can often pull you into a deeper kind of faith. True faith thrives in an atmosphere that encourages questions. Sincere questions keep us on the search for God, his presence, and his promises for us. So the opposite of faith is certainty. And that sort of, for me, begs the question, well, what's the opposite of doubt then? What's the way that helps us move through doubt? What draws us through it? Well, we're going to come back to that in a minute. Before we get there, though, I just want to introduce you to a man in the Bible, a friend of Jesus that is often labeled with this word doubt. His name's Thomas, and we, we read about him in Luke chapter, I mean, sorry, John chapter 20. So if you've got your Bible, I just want to invite you to open up to John chapter 20, verse 24. And we meet Thomas here. And when I was a kid, sometimes we'd say things like, don't be a doubting Thomas. I'm, I'm kind of old, so that was what we used to say. I haven't heard it lately, but we used to say, don't be a doubting Thomas. He had this label of a doubter. And this is the story where we get that understanding of his approach to life. I also think Thomas was a bit of a closet pessimist. I think he had a, a pretty, when he looked at the world, he saw like the cup half empty. And I, and I say that because there was at one point when Jesus was uh, many, many miles away from Jerusalem with his friends, with his disciples, and he said, hey, we're going to head back to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they were, they were away from it because there were people in Jerusalem that wanted to kill Jesus. They had tried to stone him. They tried to take him out with rocks and had missed. He had escaped. And, and so he had been a distance from there. And he said, I'm going to go back to Bethany, this little village by Jerusalem. I'm going to visit with Martha and Mary and, and um, Lazarus, my friend who's sick. And his disciples say, Jesus, you don't want to go back there. I mean, that's, they're trying to kill you there. Don't go there. And they try to, you know, talk him out of it, but Jesus is not having it. He says, well, I'm going to go back. And here's where Thomas chimes in. It's the, the first words we have of Thomas in the Bible, the first time we hear him speaking. And Thomas says, as Jesus says, I'm going to go back, Thomas says, let us go also, then we can die with Jesus. Pessimist, right? <laughs> I was like, where's your hope, my friend? I, I like to think maybe he had a bit of a sound like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? Like, let us go and die then, you know. <laughs> just that's, he's just not looking at the bright side of life. This is a little window into who Thomas is. And so we get to the story in, in John chapter 20. And Jesus has died and he's risen from death. And he's appeared to some of his followers, who his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there when it happened. And so that's where we pick up the story. Again, John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Didymus is, just means twin, so Thomas the twin. He had, he had a, a sibling out there somewhere we're not introduced to. And he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. We've seen Jesus. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands 
and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is where Thomas gets that label, doubter. He says, I'm not going to believe. And it must have been tough for Thomas because he's surrounded here by, by these others that believe and have believed perfectly their whole life. They've never had a doubt. There was never a time when the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was doing. There was never a time when they wondered what he was up to, right? No, of course that's not true, right? We know these disciples, if you know the stories of Jesus, they, they had doubts. They didn't always believe. Mary Magdalene runs into Jesus on that first Easter morning, sees him alive, and she runs back and tells these very same disciples, I've seen Jesus, he's alive. They, and the Bible says they did not believe her. And then there's two other friends that walk with Jesus towards this little village called Emmaus, and they spend hours with him on the road. And they realize it's Jesus, and they run back to Jerusalem, and they tell Jesus' friends, his disciples, they say, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. And Scripture says they did not believe them. So Thomas is surrounded by fellow doubters here, but they have just seen Jesus. There's, they've, they've seen the evidence. They're a little further down the road than he is at this moment, but he's in good company here. In verse 26, after Thomas says this, I'm not going to believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I'm just struck here by how kind Jesus is to Thomas. You know, he could have shown up and had a little bit of an attitude. You didn't believe, you know. He could have leaned away from Thomas. Instead, he shows up and he says, you need evidence, here's the evidence. I'm here, come touch, understand. I want you to believe, Thomas. He's so kind to him. It makes me think about times when people don't trust us or doubt our intentions or doubt who we are. Are we kind like this? Are we patient with people? Do we allow them to see the evidence of the truth? Jesus is kind with Thomas. In verse 28, Jesus says, Here I am. And Thomas says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus looks at Thomas. He says, stop doubting and believe. That's what my translation says here. Some of you probably have Bibles that have different words there. In verse 27, some say, don't be unbelieving and believe. Don't be unfaithful, believe. And it's because the original language here, the Greek, is actually one word, pistos, which means to believe, and then it's repeated apistos, there's an A in front of it, an alpha, which is a negative part, of, it just means it's the opposite of. And so it's believe, don't unbelieve. Have faith, don't have unfaith or disfaith or the opposite of faith. And so some translators, when they got to this passage, they didn't want to put doubt in there. Because they believe something about doubt. They believe that doubt is not the opposite of faith. They believe that, that doubt is actually something that can move us forward in our faith, that can draw us closer to God. I like Thomas a lot. I, I think I would have enjoyed being his friend. I'm, we want friends like this, you know, that, that aren't easily fooled. Friends that say, I want the truth and nothing but the truth. I want to know what's actually happening. I want to know what reality is so that my life is connected to what is real 
not what is a fable or pretend or made up. I want to know what the truth is. And Thomas says, I want to know the truth. I want to know the way of God. You're saying you've seen the Messiah. You've seen Jesus again back to life. I want to experience that. I want to know what is true and what is not true. John Piper pastored a church in Minneapolis when I lived there, and he wrote a book called uh, Future Grace. And this is just a, a few lines from that book. He says, Belief is not merely an agreement with facts in the head. It's also an appetite for God in the heart, which fastens onto Jesus for satisfaction. Therefore, eternal life is not given to people who merely think that Jesus is the Son of God. It's given to people who drink from Jesus as the Son of God, to people who feed on Jesus as the bread of life. When I read the story of Thomas, I think that's what's going on here. Thomas is hungry for the truth. He is thirsty for what is real in his world. He says, I want to experience what you're talking about. I want to drink deeply in the presence of the resurrected and friend Jesus that I have followed for these three years. This idea that he had risen from the dead is so outside of Thomas's experience. He says, I want to know. I want to know what the truth is. I want to see it for myself. And he continues to show up with his friends. That's one of the things I really appreciate about Thomas. We're told this is a week later. So the first time he's not there and Jesus shows up and he finds out about it and a week goes by. And Thomas didn't just check out from his little friend group there. He didn't just say, well, you guys all have this experience. I've missed out, so I'm, I, I, can't, I don't want to hang out with you because I feel bad when I'm with you. I feel like my doubts don't match up. I just, I'm not going to be there. No, he shows up, and we don't know. Maybe every day they got together waiting to see if Jesus would come again, and it took a week, and Jesus shows up, and Thomas is there ready to know what the real thing is, what's really happening. And Jesus says, here I am. Come. Feel my hands. Touch my side. Thomas is allowing his doubt to push him further into community, into faith, closer to Jesus. His doubt was pushing him towards his Savior, and Jesus shows up. So if we go back to an earlier question, what is the opposite of doubt? If the opposite of, of faith is not doubt, if it's certainty, what's, what's the opposite of doubt? What's the anti, the alpha for doubt? What helps us move through our doubt onto something greater? Because I think that's the danger of doubt is that we'll stop moving, that we'll stall out spiritually. So what, what allows us to keep moving forward? Well, for today, I just want to say, I think the opposite of doubt is, is conversation with people of faith and with our God. The opposite of doubt is a dialogue that we would continue to have with those who are convinced of Christ's truth and, and those who are walking with him, a dialogue that we would continue to have with God, our creator and our father. Thomas found himself face to face with Jesus, and he, and he did that because he continued to have a conversation with his friends who had experienced something he hadn't. He continued to meet with them, and then he has this conversation with Jesus. It's a short one, but it's a conversation. He says, Jesus, my, my Lord and my God, you are the one. You are who they, they said you are. You are who you said you are. My Lord and my God. That word my is so important there because Thomas is not just making uh, some type of theological essay. He's not just signing a membership contract or something. He's expressing his heart to his friend and Savior and Lord. He says, you are my God. You are my Lord. That word means there is con connection and there is affection between him and God. His doubt allowed him to be in a place where his faith could expand and move into a new territory that he had not experienced before. This dialogue he was having 
moved his faith forward. And, and Thomas is struggling with a couple realities, two different realities. And this is where doubt hits us, is that we sometimes will struggle with the, the realities we see in front of us. On one hand, we have Thomas, what, what he can see and taste and feel, his, his real life, the things he's done in this world, where, where you don't bump into people who have died, right? You don't see them on the streets. When they die, they're gone. And so his reality over here says, this doesn't, I don't, this is not my experience. And then the other reality is his friends who are saying, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. He's come back from death. And Thomas is, is stuck in these two places. His heart is, is somewhat divided or separated because of the two realities that he's struggling with. And because he stays in dialogue with his friends and dialogue with God, those two realities come together and he, he meets Jesus face to face. And he begins to understand that there's a whole new kind of understanding of life because of what Jesus has done. And this takes us back to what James wrote, the brother of Jesus, uh, in the New Testament. James chapter 1, verses three, uh, 5 through 8. I want to just read these verses to you. Again, the brother of Jesus writes these downs. If, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. That phrase in that passage, divided loyalty, and some other translations, that's the word doubt. This is what doubt looks like. It's when our loyalties are divided. That, that division is what makes doubt dangerous. That separation is what makes doubt dangerous. If you have doubts, if you have questions of God and you're here this morning, if you've had things you've asked him in the past, I'm, I'm not so concerned about your faith because you're asking to know, you're asking to pursue what is true and, and right and good about God. But my concern for you if you're in this place of doubt is that you would stay in this division, that you would stay in a divided place where your heart is not finding unity again, that you would be distracted or stalled out or unsettled, as James says, in the midst of those questions. And, and that's why I want to encourage you that the, the opposite of doubt is dialogue, is continuing the conversation. It's not stepping away from the people of God. It's not saying, I don't know that I believe that anymore, so I'm just going to move away. It's staying connected to those of faith, those people of faith, those who, who might believe something you're not sure you believe yet, and you continue the dialogue, you continue the conversation with them, with God, with Scripture, that you might be drawn along, that your faith might deepen through the doubts that you're experiencing. The opposite of doubt is dialogue, a conversation that brings the division together. And Thomas is there. He's got his own questions about reality. He's got the words of his friends and he finds God bringing those two things together. And he says, my Lord and my God. He's transformed. His reality is forever changed. He sees it in a different way. He allows his doubt to move him forward. So I want to go back to that opening story about me doing ele electrical work. Kind of finish out that illustration. It helps us maybe to understand this a little bit more. I was sitting on top of that ladder, staring at those two exposed wires, wondering if I had the right ability here, if I had taken care of everything, am I going to get jolted, am I not? I had faith to get up on the ladder, right? I had faith to hang the bracket on the ceiling to get the fan all ready to go, and now here I was, stalled out, looking down at my dog as he was daring me to take the next move, right? What am I going to do? 
What am I going to do? Well, I continued the, the dialogue. I continued the conversation. I got onto YouTube and I looked for that video that would help me know. How do I know that electricity is not flowing through wires? It had this little simple little thing you could do to understand if the wire was dead or not dead. And I continued that conversation. Now, 10 years ago, I would have called my dad. My dad wired the electricity in our first house that he built with my mom. In his 20s, he worked on a construction crew and ran electrical wiring, so he knows electricity. I would have called my dad up and said, hey, dad, here's my situation. I'm staring at these two wires. I'm freaking out a little bit. How can I? And he would have walked me through it. He would have helped me in that discussion, that dialogue, to know how to move forward. And so I got, I reached out, put those two wires together, got that fan mounted. That night, we sat on the couch underneath that new fan, enjoying the breeze, you know, of a finished product. And and I had this tension. I had these two worlds, these two dynamics. I had my to-do list on one side. You know, I wanted to check this thing off. On the other side, my survival, I don't know, my life, you know, I didn't want to die. And and the dialogue helped me to move forward, to bring those things together, to to be able to enjoy the work that God had put before me. I just want to encourage you today, doubt can deepen your connection with God. It It can deepen your connection with others. Doubt doesn't necessarily mean that your faith is weak or that you no longer believe. Doubt is an opportunity to continue a dialogue with God with his words, with his people, and to find a way forward. There are people in this room right now that have asked the same questions that you're asking. There are others that have struggled to understand the things that you're struggling to understand. And they might say to you, I don't have it all figured out, but they might be able to help you take the next step. There might be someone sitting right next to you that has experienced the pain that you're experiencing or gone through difficulties that you're facing or those dark, shadowy places of life. You're not alone in your doubt. Ask God to help you allow that doubt to push you deeper into faith, to experience more of his grace and his love for you, to experience more community with those around you. Our doubts can move us from a divided loyalty to a unified heart if we will continue to pursue God and his word for us. John ends the story here in John 20 verse 31. He says, these stories of Jesus are written down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. If you believe this, you will have life because you belong to him. Allow your doubts to bring you back into belonging with God, to remind you of his love and his grace for you. God is not hidden from us. God has revealed himself to us. He has spoken through his word, through scriptures. He has spoken through his people He speaks through his created world around us. Allow him to speak. He's not hiding from you. He can be found. He is truth. He's not afraid of your questions. Pursue the answers to those questions you're asking. And I just want to encourage you that scripture is our ultimate authority when it comes to spiritual realities of our world. It speaks to us. It is God's word to us. And I believe that because Jesus said so. Jesus said, these are his words. And if a man says, I'm going to die and come back from death, and then he does it, I'm going to listen to what he says. And he says that the Bible are God's words for us today. So allow those words to draw you deeper into faith as you pursue the questions that you're asking. Let's ask God to help us do this. Let's ask his spirit to to guide us along. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful that you are here with us right now. God, we believe that you have revealed yourself. 
that you have spoken through Scripture, that you have spoken through the life of Jesus Christ, that His life and death and resurrection allows us to know that you are real, that reality includes a God who loves us and is full of grace, who created everything we see. We are thankful that you are here right now. And I pray for those of us that have doubts and questions, that wonder, that are curious about why life works this way or why that happened to my friend or why I have to go through these things. Lord, we bring those before you with open hands and we just invite you to draw us deeper into you, deeper into faith, deeper into scripture that that you might speak to us and help us to move through our doubt into a deeper understanding from a separation in our realities to a unified heart trusting you Guide us through these difficult days, Lord. We love you. We trust you. We know you are for us and with us. So speak now. We're listening. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and sing with us.